This is false and defamatory, the impact of defamation and weaponized social media. Trigger warning. This podcast discusses topics related to emotional abuse, gaslighting, verbal abuse, threatening language, cyberbullying, intimidation tactics, and thoughts of self-harm, which may be triggering for some listeners. The content includes descriptions of manipulative behavior, psychological distress, body shaming, online harassment, and other forms of abusive behavior and emotional trauma. Please take care of yourself and consider your mental and emotional state before listening. If you need support or someone to talk to, please seek help help from a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. Thank you for listening. We have now made it to July of 2023, and the divorce trial is coming up in a few days. Just as a reminder, I have not been speaking publicly or on social media since February when My attorneys filed as intervener in the divorce to have the judgment paid. And so all of the recent footage and the recent episodes are the defendant still going on with a new twist to her false and defamatory narrative about being poorly represented at her trial. That is all new and that is all without any sort of provocation from myself or anyone else because no one has been talking about this online at least since February. But the defendant has been really pushing her new narrative as of late. By July the 4th of 2023, the defendant had continued to share the I'm done live video from April the 5th that she made. And when she began her new narrative about the only reason that she lost was because she had poor representation. And as of July 4th, that video, as a result of all of her sharing, now has 29,964 views. So she will share this video every few days, a week may go by, but she definitely wants people to see that video. Then on July the 6th of 2023, the defendant makes a live video and I'm just gonna share a short clip from that. If those things were true, okay, say them, I don't care. We can say them, I'm not allowed to say everything, but go ahead, listen, come next week, this is a different story. And I just want my reputation to be restored. And I just want people to have to tell the God's honest truth about everything that's happened. I want, like, I literally, like, went through a whole lawsuit and I didn't lie ever about anything that I said. And I still didn't win. And now it's supposedly only my responsibility to pay for it. Like, I don't think so, number one. And number two, like, I did not lie. I did not tell a single lie at all. Everything I said was exactly, wasn't even as bad as what really happened. Like that was the light version of it. But I don't want vindication. I want, I don't know what the word is. Like you want, not validation. I don't know. I don't know. I just want everybody to have to go in a room and tell the truth all at one time. Like, why can't we do that? Why is, how come you don't actually have to tell the truth? So in this short clip, the defendant is talking about telling all the things and seemingly saying she can't tell everything, but come next week she can. And so this video is five days before the divorce trial. So seemingly she's saying that once the trial is over, then she can tell all the things. And then she talks about how she wants to restore her reputation, which 
is interesting because she is the one who has been defaming other people for some time. And so she thinks that me putting the actual facts and evidence, which a lot of which are only the defendant's own words, her videos versus her deposition or the court transcript, but she thinks that is ruining her reputation and she wants that restored. And then she says, and she said this before, why can't we all just go in a room and tell the truth? And we have done that. Uh, H and I did that at our depositions. I did that at trial. And so she just doesn't like the truth. That's not what she wants to hear. She wants us to all go in a room and tell her version of events is what I am concluding from what she is saying. And unfortunately, we are just telling the truth. The truth is none of this is real. She made it all up. I've never done any of the things that she has accused me of. And so she just seems increasingly frustrated that people will not admit to what she wants them to admit to. Then on July the 8th, the defendant makes another live video, and we are going to go through this one. And I just want to point out, this is three days before the trial. Now, the discovery deadline for the divorce had already passed. And so arguably, these videos that she's making would not be submitted to the court. And so perhaps that's why she is acting with such boldness, making these videos. But she has her entire divorce trial in three days from the time of this video. And then I'm going to work my ass off and then I'm going to go clear my name. That's what I'm going to do. So because it's about principle and I didn't lie ever. You know, you're like, is anybody else paying attention to the fact that the witness list is literally the same people that I said had something to do with this from the beginning? So I was really like in a funk. I'm better today. I think I'm better today because I have faith. That's why. Because honestly, at the end of the day, what's the worst that could happen? Like I could get nothing. Okay. Bye. You know what I get? Freedom. And that's priceless. Can you appeal the decision? I could have when it happened, but I didn't have $500,000. I did have a dream last night about that. So the law, the law firm that represented me for that case, the lawyer that went to court to represent me, I loved the woman. I did not love the man. The man was the one who spoke the most. Also, the man wasn't the owner of the firm. And to me, I thought I was hiring the man of, who owned the firm for as much money as I spent. But that guy doesn't work there anymore. And like me and the woman, like I felt like we had a connection, she understood me. And then at the point when the man told the judge, he literally physically falls out of his chair, gets up all frazzled and tells the judge, we don't have to watch the police video. And he looks at him and goes, are you serious? Why'd you do that? And I knew right then, like, oh my God. And I remember when I came off the stand, I looked at him and I go, do I get to go back up there? Cause I was like, nothing. They didn't ask me any questions. We didn't talk about the posts. We didn't, like you could ask me about specific posts. I can spout off dates, I can tell you, I can tell you the exact date that him and her had a conversation and the exact date that the same exact subject is on the blog, the exact same date. I can spout it off right now, but I'll save that for this week. So, but I got off the stand and I sat down and I thought, and I looked at her and I said, Ugh. and I said, is that it? Like, that was like 20 minutes. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I don't get to, to go back and say anything. Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, she's making me look like I have these followers that are like rabid, monsters and she called it an army but an army isn't always bad i'm in god's army every day so you know she made it sound like everyone comes after her and what's funny one of the accounts that had commented on a public facebook post that i had made was an account that later trolled me and it was a fake account <laughs> but she used it at court and i thought that's weird because that same person talked to me on facebook 
and I didn't know who it was, but one of the people who commented was my girlfriend, and she had said something like, I'm going to kick her ass or something, and granted, I would never do that. She was just saying it like in defense of me, but like it was perceived as if like I had these internet followers that were just going to go beat her up. Which it's funny because right after the verdict came out, she's like hosting two hour Zoom calls and trying to get host meetups around town to talk about me. It's weird. If you're so scared, why would you be doing all that? But okay, we'll talk about it this week when I see you. And why did you buy my name? Like, if I'm stalking you, why did you buy com and com? It doesn't make any sense. Like, not at all. Also, I've never had an issue with this person in my entire life. Like, even at court, the other one was like, or at the police station, the other one was like, I had no idea she didn't like her, that Crystal didn't like her. Yeah, I had no clue. Like, I, her kid was in my will till like November. <laughs> I even texted the other one and was like, I'm not taking her kid out of my will because he had nothing to do with this. I have since taken him out. It's all last mess. So I can't, I can file my practice case. I'll tell you, in the perfect world, and this is how stupid I am, in a perfect world, that same law firm would represent me in a civil case to go after them. Like, I wish they would do the right thing. And if they did the right thing to me, and I want the owner of the law firm, who I think is a great attorney, and the woman, I think they both are, but the one who represented me was horrible. And I even asked him during the trial, I leaned over and I said, do you, oh, I said, do you believe me? And he said, it doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what you can prove. And I just thought like, I gave you 1700 pages of posts and you didn't say a single one. Like, at least say like the exact things that were on the post. Also, while this is going on, because the whole time I was saying like, telling my husband, if I say in that deposition exactly what I think happened, they're gonna look at you. And I kept, I said that for a year. Oh my God, my son said that, my friend said that. I went straight up to him and was like, what the f bro? Um, so, and that was my narrative the whole time. Like if I say, if I tell the truth from beginning to end of what it looks like happened, it looks like you're involved. So you have to show me how you're not involved. Please, I'm begging you. And he wouldn't, he'd be like, well, sometimes he would. Like he came in and showed me that she was still logged into QuickBooks in November of 2021, which was a year later. And I'm like, you're the one in control of QuickBooks. How does that even happen? But I mean, they did some other that was just meant to mess with me. Like they went to the warehouse and logged in under someone else's name to try to make it look like she had been at the warehouse. First of all, she, she didn't go to the warehouse and do that. Second, since I have low latent inhibition and I keep every single detail in my brain, I remembered immediately the icon uh, with her initials in it to sign into my website is a different color than it's ever been. I've never seen that color before. I would recognize that color. I've never seen that color. Go through my phones, find a screenshot of her login like, like way long time ago, totally different color. Told you, which meant it was a new account. Mm -hmm. So just give me the chance to say those things. So I hope they do the right thing. I don't know what's gonna happen. They want to meet with me to talk about all this stuff because they know I'm pissed off and I'm sure they don't want me to file a freaking malpractice case. And I should, because everybody's offering to do it for free because with malpractice, like the attorneys usually take the case because they know they're, you're gonna get paid out. And so I've had two different people offer to do it, but it's just so dirty with my, with my, uh, well, I say offered to do it. I shouldn't say that. They have not offered to do it. I don't want this used against me later. I have talked to two different attorneys and they think it is a winnable case. Um, but the point of all that is it, it's very convoluted because I'm also going through a divorce with someone that I think was absolutely involved in all of it. You know what I mean? So 
just makes it weird. And all I wanted him to do was tell me how it looks like you're involved and you're not. Because if you do that, like I said, if you tell us that, it keeps our family together. If you don't, our family's not going to stay together. Because you just can't. You can't get out of it. But also, when someone can't tell you how they're not a part of it, it's probably because they are. She starts out this video saying that she is going to work really hard and clear her name. And once again, I just want to point out the only thing that I had shared prior to being an intervener in the divorce was the defendant's own words. And so she is claiming that I am out here trashing her, but all I'm doing is showing facts and evidence of the case. And a lot of that, because it is a defamation case, has to do with the defendant's posts versus actual trial transcripts and deposition transcripts. So she talks about having poor representation again and how she wasn't able to talk and she gets emotional and says, is that it? And that sort of thing. And I just want to remind everyone, you've heard the trial episodes at this point. And my opinion is that they got her off the stand because by that time, the judge had reprimanded her multiple times. And it doesn't look good in front of the jury if the judge is yelling at your client. And also, she had been very inconsistent on the stand. And that instantaneously negates her credibility. And so my belief is if I were an attorney and that was my client, I would want her off the stand. But she is claiming that they were negligent because they didn't let her just get up there and talk and tell her story. But I do believe that they were making a strategic move in getting her off the stand because they didn't think that it was good for her to continue to be up there in front of the jury. Then she says that she could spout off exact dates of an exact conversation that her soon-to-be ex-husband and I had in a text versus what was posted on the blog. And I'm not really sure what she is talking about here. She's never presented any of that evidence. However, my communication with her soon-to-be ex-husband was limited to kind of logistical information like, oh, this bill needs to be paid or this person needs to set up a new email account or things like that. And so also we had a group text with myself and her and her then husband. And I would talk to them about financial things and things like that. And so I am not really entirely sure what she is referring to there, but seemingly she's saying that there's something incriminating in text messages between her soon-to-be ex-husband and I that would indicate that he's feeding me information so that I can go and post it on these quote-unquote troll blogs. She talks about her internet army, and that was really harped on in the trial, and says that armies aren't always bad because she's in God's army. And then she says that one of her friends did comment something violent, but didn't actually mean that. So she has made fun of me a few times for being scared because of the violent threats that were made in the comments of her post, but she makes light of it again here. She talks about the Zoom calls again, and then she says, oh, we'll talk about that this week when I see you. And so she's referring to me being a witness in her divorce case, and so she seems pretty confident and pleased with herself that she seemingly has some questions for me that she once asked while I am testifying in her divorce case. She brings up my son again, and now at this point claims that she has removed him from her will, but continually when she brings that up, it's still disturbing to me because there's no reason for her to be bringing up my family as often as she does. And 
it is just odd that he was in her will in the first place and that she left him in there. The whole thing is weird. And I'm not really sure why nobody picks up on that, but they don't seem to. Then she says, in a perfect world, the law firm that was her final defamation attorney that she owes $55,000 to would represent her to come after us. And then she says that she has a meeting coming up with them and she wants to maybe talk to them about that so that they can make it right. Then she says, she's talking about in the deposition and saying to her then husband, oh, but if I tell them what's really going on, it's going to point to you. They're going to think it's you. And then she says this phrase, that was my narrative the whole time. And she uses the word narrative. And I just think that's an interesting choice of words that she is using because it is a narrative. It is not true. It is just a narrative. And I don't think that she's admitting to that here. I just think that it's an interesting choice of words that she used. Then she claims that her soon-to-be ex-husband showed her that I was still logged into their QuickBooks as of November of 2021. I've never seen a screenshot or anything of that. I logged out of everything and removed all apps, any sort of work-related app from my phone. I've removed it and I logged out of every account that I had. And so I have no idea what she is referring to here, but if someone was logging into my QuickBooks account and her husband was showing a screenshot of that, where is that evidence? Because also she said that it was in November of 2021. That would have been well before the discovery deadline for our case. And so if that was truly some evidence that she had, it would have been presented before now. And it certainly would have been presented in the divorce case, but it never has been. So once again, she is just saying these things without actual facts and evidence and people believe her. Then she says that they went to the warehouse and logged in on a computer to make it look like, and she's talking about H, making it look like it was H. And I think that she's saying that when she had posted the screenshot that H had been recently signed in, and that was in November of 2020, she's saying that they went up there and logged in. And I don't know if she is referring to me but she had cameras all over her warehouse. And so if someone was gonna go up there, me, I guess, I don't know, and log in to make it look like H was logged in, wouldn't that be on camera? That just doesn't make any sense. But she just, again, says these things with no actual proof or evidence and her followers go along with it. Then she says that she has had two attorneys offer to take her case for free to file malpractice or something. I'm not really sure. But then she backtracks and says, well, I don't want to say that they offered in case that gets used against me later. They just said that it was winnable. And so she's kind of letting us into her mind a little bit at that point, because she is just spouting off that people are willing to do this to her for free. And somehow it came into her brain that she probably wasn't speaking truthfully and she might need to clarify that. And so she does, which is interesting, but she definitely started off saying that someone was going to take her case for free and that they had offered to do this. And then she's like, well, they didn't really do that. They just said that it was winnable. So I think that is also interesting because Frequently, whatever she says is just whatever she feels like saying at the moment, regardless if it's true or not. That's the most I've ever talked about my custody stuff on here, which is odd because somehow the blog knows all my custody details. And the same person who said it, hi, um, she hates it when I say her name here. You know what I hate? The fact that you acted like you were my friend. But anyways, um, she... Uh, 
she wrote all about this on Reddit. Did I tell you all this yet? No, I told you all some of it. She was talking about me one day and I messaged her and I was like, hey, you never sleep, do you? She's like, who is this? And I'm like, oh, I feel like you know. She screenshotted our message and sent it to somebody, except for she sent it to me. And she accidentally sent it to me. And you know on iPhones, you can see where you were before you were on that message? She was on Discord. So she meant to send that message to somebody else. She was like, hey, I just got this message from her after I made some comments on the blog. I'm getting ready for CrossFit right now. She must have a new number because I don't have this number. Maybe she has two phones. And I was like, who are you sending that to? My husband? Is that how you know all the details of my custody case? I think it's so gross. He said bad things about you too. Like all these people, not all these people, but it's like every single person that's supposed to be like a witness for him. He's like said horrible things. It don't make no sense. Like all of them, but it is what it is. I don't know why you dislike me so much, ma'am, but that's okay. I'm not even mad about it. I'm not going to sue you for it or nothing. No, ma'am. I know she's watching. She changed her username the other day, so we couldn't find her, but I already know what it is. And I didn't even block her because sis, you do you. What's weird is we have a bunch of mutual friends and I don't think they think she's like that. I definitely didn't, but it is what it is. I bet you really didn't mean to send me that message, did ya? Hope you get a hobby. So I made a post on Facebook and I said, I think I want to start my makeup line again because I did makeup before and um, it was really successful. Like we've sold out every single time. So I said, I wanted to do it again. And I was like, oh, maybe we'll call it. And then I got the Instagram for. And then someone sent me a screenshot uh, and with, and it said 5H on Facebook, which had meant I'd made that post on uh, five hours before on Facebook and she had already purchased the website. I don't know. To do what? To literally play part of the deposition and then play part of my live video and try to make it look like I lied. I didn't lie. Like you have played the whole deposition. Played the part of the deposition where I told the other one, there ain't a person in the world who doesn't have your DNA that would, that cares about you more than I did and you were manipulated by her. Nobody played that part, did they? It is what it is onward and upward but i'm not going to just let that go for a long time i was like i should just let it go whatever but no because i didn't lie and at the end of the day like i don't want my kid to think that i'm just going to lay down and take it like if i have to work my ass off to be able to hire a whole new law team and spend a hundred thousand dollars to go back and like defend myself i am because i didn't lie ever about anything i said and it's so much worse than what i even said and no no I will get 500 jobs. So just so you know, this is not the end. But at least now when I go back and try to fight the good fight, at least I ain't got to split that money with nobody, do I? And the part about a civil case, it sucks. Well, it sucked for me for a long time, for sure, is that you have to defend yourself. Like, no matter what. So I'll do whatever the judge tells me to do. And then we'll go from there. She didn't even know. The judge did not know about any of that stuff until Crystal's attorney came to court a couple weeks ago and was like, only should pay, only And we're like, why only me? Only only she should pay. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. Also, why would you be so concerned that only I pay? It makes sense, doesn't it? So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I pray for discernment and wisdom and I pray I can vindicate myself. Cause here's the deal, even when I like post online like my outfits and stuff they'll literally go post the court documents so i can't even not talk about it if i want to because the people who trust me with their money and trust me to share my life and trust me period are the same people who have are asking me questions like hey i was following you online today and this is this was on your facebook page blah 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 and i'm just like oh god you don't want to lie to them so you're like okay this is what happened 
but also technology is getting better. I have a wonderful team now that was able to compile a whole lot of information. Funny how they never put that information on the blog, do they? She starts out this clip and she is talking about my former coworker again and talks about her for a little while and talks about how she discovered that she was writing about her and the interaction that they had and talks about how they have mutual friends and she didn't know that she was like that and she doesn't think that the mutual friends know that she is like that. And so I have no idea what she has told these mutual friends about this former coworker or not, but this is indicative of what the defendant does. And then she uses a common tactic that she uses and says that either the former coworker didn't like her then husband or the husband didn't like that former coworker. And she says that often. So she tries to tell people, oh, well, they never liked you anyway, as a way to, I guess, try to get them to turn on the other person. But she's done that often with myself, with H, Steph, with her soon-to-be ex-husband about me, me about that. And so that is a common tactic that she does use. She talks about me purchasing a domain five hours after she had posted about it. I'm not sure of the timing, but like I've said before, the defendant continues to create new social media accounts, calling herself new names, calling her business new names, and then she will go and defame me on whatever she has created. And so, yes, I did purchase that domain. I don't know why someone would talk about a website that they want to make and not purchase the domain in advance, but she didn't. And so I did purchase it and I pointed it to falseanddefamatory.com so that when she defames me on that social media account, and not just social media account, she will put that information on her actual websites that people are redirected to the facts and evidence of this case and determine the truth for themselves. She talks about that on my website and in my social media posts that I will take her live video in the deposition. And then she says, play the whole deposition, not just the parts that, you know, I'm showing to try and make it look like that she lied is what she is saying. And I have, I have included the entire deposition in episode 22. It's multi-part of this podcast. And so she often had said, release the whole deposition, play the whole deposition. And I actually did do that so that everyone can see for themselves what was actually said. She says that she doesn't care if she has to go back to work to raise $100,000 to hire a whole new legal team to fight back or take us to court or something like that. And that's what she is planning to do. And then when she does and she wins, she won't have to split the money with anyone because she would be divorced at that point. And then she says that her divorce judge doesn't know who I am or any of this had happened until my attorney got up at the hearing in May and said that only the defendant should pay the judgment. And that is not what happened. The only thing that Todd said was, we just want the judgment to be paid out of the trust account now. And the judge said, no, I'm going to wait until trial and then we'll decide on all of that. But the only request that we had made was go ahead and pay the judgment. It has to be paid out of the marital estate. The defendant is not making any efforts to pay the judgment. The money is there in the trust of the marital estate. We want it paid out of there. And that was our only request, argument, reason for the motion. But the defendant is twisting it here and saying that Todd said that only the defendant should pay it. And that's not remotely the case. We didn't care who paid it. It just needed to come out of that trust account, period. And that is all that Todd was requesting. And if I'm being factual, the defendant's soon-to-be ex-husband at that point, his motion was a hindrance for us. 
because his motion was to delay the decision on when to pay the judgment or if to pay the judgment, they just wanted to delay it. If he would not have filed that motion, the judge very well could have ruled that day and my judgment could have been paid. So nobody is in cahoots here, like she is alleging. She said that she can't even post just a simple post that people will post court documents in the comments and people will talk to her about that. And that is something that has happened. I have covered that in a prior episode. And unfortunately, the defendant has wronged so many people and has lied so much that there are a lot of people frustrated with her that she continues to seemingly get away with lying. And so there are people who do post that information on some of her posts. I constantly request and say, please do not contact the defendant. Please do not contact anyone that is in the defendant's close proximity. Please do not send information to anyone. I am putting this podcast out and specifically not naming who the defendant is because that's not the point. My point is not to have people harassing her and commenting and trying to quote unquote ruin her life like she claims. My goal is to shed light on this situation, the actual facts and evidence, and what the legal process is like in a defamation case. Then she says that she has a team who has compiled a whole lot of information, but it's funny because none of that is written on the blogs. And I'm not entirely sure what she is talking about there, but she's seemingly saying that she has a team that has compiled all of her proof. What would he say when you'd ask him? His answer would be, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's crazy. Or he would bring me information. And I guess that was like not a smart thing to do because he did that in front of my friends and in front of my son, which is why my son is so upset now because my son's like, does he think I'm dumb? Like he literally would come in there and say, hey, look what she's doing now. For a long time, he blamed. And I mean, he definitely blamed Crystal in the beginning, for sure. And but then for a long time, he blamed. And then like, I found a video the other day where he's like, yeah, well, in the beginning, it was definitely Crystal, but now she's not here anymore. So that's got to be. And you're just like, oh, no. And when he's telling you things like he told me on March 7th, no, March 12th, he said, just so you know, sis, I can hear you and see you all the time in this house, even when you think I can't. And I texted that to my husband the same day and said, that is a very odd thing to say to somebody who's going through what I'm going through. Then, And he also came home and uh, went straight out the back door and talked to my dad. And I was like, that's weird. He never sits with my dad. And he was like, hey, you have any idea why she's driving a car today? And then the next day we found a tracking device in the truck. The next day, my story's never changed. The fact that he provided no support or helped with the defense of the case filed against both of you so sketch. Oh, crap. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's not me, it's us. Like, if we're a community estate, it's a community estate, sweetheart. But I guess if you know your plan is later on to file for divorce and then make sure that only she's the one that pays, like, no. That must be where, where did her text thread go out of my phone? Where did all the texts of you saying, thank God I sent so much stuff to my friends because like the direct, there'll be, like there's a, a text message that I have where he's like, she's disgusting and crazy. And then if you go look in my phone right now, that bubble of text message isn't in the conversation. And you're just like, no. Oh yeah, it's enough to make you think you're nuts, for sure. But I knew better. And he continues to say, I'm crazy, which I think is so mean to say somebody has a mental illness if they don't. Like, I've literally never been diagnosed with a mental illness in my life. I would tell y'all, that would literally be a huge talking point. 
I'd be like, hey guys, listen, this is what's going on. I'm back crazy. I even took an actual test to see if I was uh, bipolar because he used to say that to me all the time. And I'm like, doesn't that mean like your moods go up and down? I can cry in the middle of a happy conversation because some things make me sad. My doctor was like, not one time in my life would, it, actually his exact words were, I've told you this before, uh, you are the last person I would ever think is depressed. If I've ever given, if I would ever give you any medicine for anything, it would be for anxiety for this that they're putting you through right now. And he let him know that too, but I guess that's not something he likes to remember. You'll see. TikTok lets me record 10 minutes now, so I think we'll be okay after this. Just let me get through this week. Might be broken, that's fine. I mean, I'm kind of broken right now, but it is what it is. It's all relative. In the beginning of this clip, she is talking about her soon-to-be ex-husband and her son and talks about that her son even brings that up, that her husband, then husband, would come in and say, oh, look what Crystal's doing now and all of this sort of stuff and how it's just disgusting. And the reason that I bring this up is because it's really sad. She's talked about her son in the last few videos and how she says that her son said that their family would be broken apart if he didn't prove that he wasn't involved. And that is truly sad because their family is really broken up. I mean, this is my real life and all of this has affected me in ways, but this is also her real life and her actual marriage, her actual child. This has actually happened and all because she fabricated a narrative and won't let it go and won't admit that she is wrong, won't admit that she lied. And it has actually destroyed their family. And that is truly, truly sad. After I was gone, she said that her then husband was blaming things on a relative that was living in the house. And I've pointed this out before because the defendant claims that there has to be inside information given, but I was gone at that point. So then seemingly they're starting to blame this other relative. And then she goes to blaming her husband. When in reality, the things shared on the blog speculation, public record, or something that the defendant has said, but she will not admit that. She has to make it that it is someone feeding information to me so that I can post about it under these multiple accounts that she claims that I have when that is the farthest thing from the truth. In the comments, her followers are repeating her narrative, and that just continues to be so disturbing to me. And she will read their comments and they are just going right along with her, not seeing any issue with the things that she is saying. She talks about the mental health again and how it's so mean for someone to accuse somebody of having a mental illness and goes on and how she's taken a quiz. And she's talked about how she'd taken a quiz on whether or not she was a narcissist before. And now she says she's taken a quiz to see if she's bipolar and she's not. And she hasn't been diagnosed with any mental illnesses and that her doctor told her that he would never give her medicine for depression, that if he gave her anything, that he would give her anxiety medication to deal with the things that we are putting her through. And I don't know the defendant's medical history. I do find it unfortunate, though, that she does talk about mental health in a negative light and then tries to circle back and tell her followers, but if you are that way, then that's okay. But she definitely speaks about that in a negative way. She has made fun of the fact that I had to take medication because of this. She has made fun of her soon-to-be ex-husband, that he has had to take medication for mental health. And so that just, to me, is also dangerous. And she has talked before about how she wanted to say that she got through all of this without having to take anything. And that 
is irresponsible because that could make people think that if they are experiencing something that they should just try to tough it out. And that's just not always a realistic expectation. Then she does make a comment that says TikTok lets her record for 10 minutes now. And so she thinks that we're going to be okay after this. So seemingly she is still of the notion that after the divorce is over, that she is going to spill all of the tea. So if anybody ever says mean things about you on the internet, this is what you got to realize. Number one, they don't have the balls to say it to you to your face because I can promise you in 12 years I've been on the internet, not a single person has ever said anything mean to me in public ever. Instead, I've met people shaking, crying, happy, elated, stopping on the side of the road. I literally met somebody driving to, I think we were driving to Florida. Remember that when somebody held up the little uh, thing that you can erase and wipe away in their car and they were like, like from their car, like people were so nice. And I know not everybody's nice on the internet and listen, you are not gonna please everybody. Just think about your own self. There's people you don't like out there, right? Like think Trump or Biden. You probably like one of them and don't like the other, right? But nobody needs to hate you and you don't need to hate them because they like or dislike that person. You just gotta realize you're not for everybody. And you cannot seek validation in people. That is the biggest lesson I can teach people. Do not seek validation. got to remember like the people that are saying ugly things, number one, aren't using their real names. Number two, I take it back. One person did. <laughs> She's like, why did she block me? Well, <laughs> first of all, I said, don't follow my ex. Second of all, like that was so easy because your literal Instagram name was also your name on the blogs. Um, but you just got to remember like they're doing it under normally uh, an anonymous account. And like at the end of the day, I think it's weird to even get on some other platform and talk about like a TV show or a documentary or a crime podcast because like these people all have the same tendencies. They typically like get really invested in crime podcasts and then they spend a large part of their day like on that forum commenting on those different things. And you just gotta like consider the source is I guess the best thing that I can tell you. When I used to get upset, like, how is he saying this stuff? Like, it doesn't make sense. It's actually a lie. It, you just, now I just tell myself, you just gotta, the best thing that my first divorce attorney ever told me is, you need to assume everything is a lie. And for me, that was so hard to do because I thought I was never allowed to. And so shocking. She came in one day in front of me and, and another employee and said that her daughter said that she was the fakest person she ever met. And I thought, that's weird. Why would she say that? And I could never fig like not figure it out. I didn't wonder. I'm like, wow, what was she doing? Her freaking kid said that. Now I understand. Now I think she probably saw her doing that stuff and then saw how she treated me in real life and was like, that's gross. But she's never going to say that because that's her kid. But that's God's honest conversation. Further validated by the fact that one day we were talking about all kinds of stuff and brought it up by herself. And I'm like, oh my God, I literally said that. Like I was in the room and I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. I've literally been saying that. I knew it. Like, I'm not going to wake up anything. I'll literally tell y'all. And after this is all over, I will answer all of your questions. My ex came to me and said, just ask me what the fuck is wrong with me and why am I doing this to you? And I'm like, first of all, why are you telling me he said that? That's weird. But then he was like, um, I was like, okay, and what'd you tell him? And he's like, I told him, you're treating me like accusing me of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm not treating you like and I'm not trying to accuse you. I just need you to tell me how it's not you. Because if y'all had that exact conversation and then it ended up on the blog, like, or if me and you had this exact conversation and it ended up there, then how did that happen? Girl. He was literally telling me the TV could record me, everything. 
is stupid. But now I'm smart and I know better and I taught myself so much. Yeah, because the other thing is once it's out, like I'll feel like such a weight is lifted and we can just move on. Like we ain't got to talk about this every day because I could just say, here you go. Like go follow chapter one, two, three. Like let's talk about fun. So the defendant repeats her narrative that no one has ever mean to her and the people that are talking would only do it anonymously online because no one has ever mean to her in real life. And she truly does think that that is proof that there couldn't actually be multiple mean people on the Internet who do not like her. She says and she kind of makes a soapbox about this, that you should not seek validation from people. And I just want to point that out because throughout this entire ordeal, the defendant has not respected the legal process. She just wants to be able to talk to her followers. She just wants that encouragement from her followers. She just wants the head pats and for her followers to believe every single thing that she is saying without validation. And so for her to then say, like, you shouldn't seek validation from people, that's the entire reason why we're here is because she couldn't handle the fact that there are people that have talked about her online and have said unfavorable things about her. And because that bothered her so much, it escalated to all of this. And all she wants to do is tell her followers her version of events, her narrative, and have them believe her. And that's why she does all of these live videos. It's why there's so much footage and so much evidence of her defamation is because she is constantly putting on a performance for her followers so that she can get that interaction. Then she says that there was one user who had the same Instagram name as her name on the troll blogs. And so once again, somebody else on these quote unquote troll blogs, it's not me. That really pokes holes in her narrative, but nobody seems to catch on to that. Nobody seems to care. She also says she thinks that it's weird that people comment in these forums. And I just want to point out that the Reddit website, it's a forum type website, and it is for the purpose of creating communities about topics that people have in common. And creating a community is something that the defendant has prided herself in, that she has created a community of like-minded women. She has said that multiple times before, but she can't understand why people would want to congregate in a forum. And I can't speak for everyone, but I have spoken to many guests that have appeared in bonus episodes on my podcast. And the community of the Reddit forum is one of the reasons why they stay in there and they continue to participate is that community. She brings up again what my daughter had said about me being fake. And then she says that another person, another employee brought that up. And so she thinks that that is proof because someone else heard that said, and I have never disputed the fact that I said that, that Clara said that. I've never disputed that. That's never been, it's never been something that I've said that she didn't say, but she presents this as this is what happened and this is proof because this other person heard it too. And again, her followers just go along with it and they're like, yep, that's definitely proof for sure. She says again that when it's over, she is going to tell everyone everything. And I'm just pointing that out because we are about to the point where it's all going to be over. She says that her soon-to-be ex-husband told her that her father, before he passed away, went up to him and said, like, what's going on? And they had an exchange about it. And she says, well, how can you not be involved if you have this exact message with her and it winds up on the blog? Or we have a text message and it winds up on the blog. And once again, I don't know the context of these conversations that she is referring to, but if it's anything like the prior things that she has said are proof of 
me being the only one that could be posting this information on the blog. One instance was the Christmas Village Cord. Another instance recently was the conversation that her therapist had had with her and talking about being manic and mania. And that word was also on the blog. And so she thinks that just because someone might have a similar conclusion or a similar opinion about something that it has to be that they have gotten inside information and feeding it to me or it's me posting it on the quote unquote troll blogs. And then she says that she just wants to get everything out and tell the whole story so that she never has to talk about it again. And I just want to point out that I think we are in episode 37 across two and a half years, I want to say around this point. And now at the time of this recording, we are past that. It's been over three years and she is still talking about this just this week. And so she constantly says that and how she wants to just get it all out and she's going to write a book or she's going to make these 10 minute TikToks or whatever so that it's out there so that she doesn't talk about it anymore. But none of that has come to pass. Once everything's final, are you still going to have to be quiet? No. And the only reason right now that I am not telling everybody everything is number one, because I don't want to be disrespectful to the judge because I don't want her to think that I'm like trying to get publicity from this or trying to be a sassy um, or that I'm like trying, like she doesn't know my heart. And so I don't want her to think that I'm like out there just like trying to be mean and say mean things about him. I don't want to do that. I, I just want to literally tell what happened to me. That's it. Like, and here's all the receipts, you know? So, and also like the part is you're like, you know, they don't want you talking about this stuff, but like he can say whatever he wants. Cause it's anonymous. He can say whatever he like, how does all the information, how does it get on the internet that my kid is meeting with the judge when the judge didn't know my kid was meeting with the judge? Like literally the judge didn't know. How does it get on the internet that I got to pay somebody XYZ dollars if I ever say their name when I didn't know I had to do that? But your name was on the document before I got it. So you saw it before I did. So how did that information get on the One day I went to my attorney's office and they told me that she had called them like four hours earlier and literally it was on the internet that what I had told y'all that morning that I had mediation the next day that I didn't have mediation. I didn't find out till five hours after the post was on the internet. And then I go to my attorney's office and she's like, oh my God, they called us today asking if you had mediation. And I'm like, that's crazy because this morning on my live video for the first time ever, I told them I have mediation on Friday because I thought I did. Like, tell me it's you without telling me it's you. Gross. And again, you can say what you want. I don't care. Talk about me to your blue in the face. But you can't sue me for telling people that you did it. That's the thing. You can keep talking about me. I feel so bad for you. Number one, because look at the friendship you lost, to be honest with you. Like, I was really good to you. And you spent $27,000 at my store, which I bet if I... We'll talk about that later. You spent $27,000 at my store. And I thought that we had a great relationship and blah, blah, blah. Like, I was a good friend. You don't want her to think... Yeah, I definitely don't. Like, I always... I want to like follow the rules, do the right thing. Like even on the, like the list for all the court stuff, like I put way more stuff than he even said that I had, like I wanted, which doesn't benefit me because it means that I have more things now, but I wanted to be very like extremely honest, but I don't know. She's probably still going to hate me because I talk on the internet. It is what it is. At the end of the day, hopefully it's all resolved and I can move on. So here someone asks the question once it's all over, will she have to still be quiet? And she says no. So she is 
continuing the sentiment that she is going to share everything when it is all over. And then she talks about the judge in the divorce case and says she doesn't want to upset her. And I just want to point out that she has not respected the legal process in my case. And she has continued to exhibit the same behavior in her divorce case after there have been reprimands from the judge for that as well. So she is saying all of this, like she doesn't want to offend the judge and she wants to make sure she does everything that she is supposed to do, but her actions do not match what she is saying because she has demonstrated extensively that she does not respect the courts, the judge, a jury verdict, a judgment, or any of that. Then she brings up the thing about how did the internet know that my son was meeting with a judge when the judge doesn't even know, and I've covered this before, how could the judge not know that? How would anybody know that if the judge didn't know that? And that was just public record. It literally said it on the court website that there was a meeting between the judge and the child in their divorce. And that is the only reason that anybody knew that that was going to happen. Similarly, she talks about her settlement agreement with H and how if she says H's name or references her in any way that she has to pay when she does that. And she's like, how would anybody know that? It's public record. It was filed in the Rule 11 agreement between H and the defendant and the defendant's soon-to-be ex-husband. They all signed it. So she's saying, how would you know that? Or how would the internet know that if I didn't even know that? You signed the document. How do you not know that? Also, it was public record. Then she talks about the time where she lied to her followers and said that she had mediation, but she didn't. And she's claiming that she thought she did, but she did not. And she brings up that Elizabeth called the office and said, is there a mediation? Because if there was going to be mediation, my attorneys would have need to be notified about that. And so as soon as I got wind that she was saying that she was having mediation, of course, I emailed or texted Elizabeth and was like, what's going on? Is there some sort of mediation? Have we been notified about this? And so she called and asked because she looked and couldn't see anything that was on the books, no calendar invites, nothing. And the defendant had lied about it. And now the defendant will backtrack and say, oh, well, she just, she was mistaken. She thought that they had mediation. And I just want to point out that at that point, when that was all happening, they had already had mediation. And so that's why it was so confusing to me, because what mediation would they have had? Because they already had mediation, agreed on the custody stuff with their child, and they couldn't come to agreement with the marital assets because her husband wanted her to pay the judgment. And so there was a fight about that and there was no moving forward. And so there would have been no other mediation to have. And so her claiming that she just thought that she had it and she was confused is interesting because in that video, she tells people to shop because she has mediation. And then she talks about that I have lost her as a friend and that she was a very good friend to me. And why would I do this? And now it's really sad because I've lost a great friend. And then she talks about that I had spent $27,000 at her store. And then she puts that in quotes. And so she says, we'll talk about that later. I have no idea what she is talking about there. If she is trying to insinuate that I didn't actually spend the money. However, I am more than willing to pull up my credit card statements and validate that I did, in fact, spend that kind of money, which is something that makes this entire thing ridiculous in the first place. Why would I spend that much money if I was trying to sabotage her? But none of that makes sense. And so I'm not sure she never finished her sentence there or what she was going to say but she seemingly was trying to imply that I didn't actually spend the money. And then she talks again about how she wants to do the right thing because she doesn't want the judge to be upset with her, but she says that she thinks the judge will still hate her because she talks on the internet. 
there's 180 people still watching me. You're so nice. Minus the one who's probably recording this. You think I look cute? I know, I'm like a whole catfish, huh? It's amazing what some makeup will do for you. Also, one day I will hug you and tell you that your behavior may not be healthy and it may not be kind, but either way, lucky for you, Jesus loves you in spite of that. I may not, but Jesus do. And that's pretty cool. I guess that's why when I think about how does Jesus always get the credit for all the good things, because he got to love a lot of bad people. You know, if you think about it, I'm kind of a sucker like that too, but not in this case. Get away from me. When everything comes out and everybody gets caught, I don't even want money out of it. I want people to have to admit what they've done, get in trouble for it. But also I want them to have to like make some kind of contribution to people who didn't, weren't as tough as me, who like, you know, like a suicide nonprofit or, you know, cause like there's a lot of people in the world who aren't as freaking stubborn as me in the head and like kill themselves killed herself. She's literally the most talked about person on Gomi and she literally killed herself and she was rich from Gomi. But it's like, it's scary thinking like, you know, like at one time my page had like definitely in the top 10% of the amount of pages of people on that website. And like, I'm not famous guys. I have a private Instagram. This is weird. So it just makes you think like you're thankful for, I'm thankful my skin is so thick, I guess. Cause and honestly, I said this yesterday, no joke, if it had not been for you guys and how like nice y'all are and encouraging all the time and the fact that everyone was so nice to me all the time, my skin wouldn't be so thick. Could you imagine if my DMs looked like the hate blogs? They don't, period. And if they ever do, I post it and see how rarely I post it because that's how rarely it happens. But because y'all have like build my, build, you built my head up for so long, reminding me, not filling my head with bullshit, but like reminding me like you're a good human. I do believe that with my whole heart, I believe that. And I could not have thought that without you, so I am thankful. She hates you because she envies your spirit. The grossest part is if you look at when the talking about me started, like she's like, oh, her life is gonna come crashing down one day, blah, 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 I can't wait to see it happen. And you're just like, oh man, I had no idea. Also, if it wasn't y'all, how come nobody picked up the phone and was like, yo bro, it wasn't me? It's okay, it'll all come out. Technology is only gonna advance and things are only going to be more illegal as time progresses. In the beginning of this clip, she is talking about the 180 people that are on her video and how nice they are, and except for the one person that's recording it. And one day she is going to hug that person. And even though she doesn't love that person, Jesus does. And this is a common tactic that she uses. She will weaponize faith. And here, I'm not really entirely sure what she is referring to. I think that she is referring to me. And I just think that's a very disturbing comment because I actually never want to be in her close proximity ever again. And if I ever was, I would not welcome, I would not welcome a hug and a Jesus loves you. I, I'm aware that Jesus loves me. And also I'm not the one that records any of her content that is captured by my legal team. So perhaps she was referring to that person. I am not really sure. Then she talks about when everything comes out that she wants people to get in trouble, but she doesn't want money. She wants us to have to donate to a suicide prevention nonprofit or something like that. And then she references another influencer who did commit suicide and talked about her being on Gomi. And she says that that influencer was rich from Gomi. I'm not really sure what she is referring to there. And then she talks about that her Gomi page, the defendants, was in the top 10% and she's not even famous. And she has said this before. And that if it weren't for her followers building her up, reminding her, she says, not filling her head with 
profanity, that her skin wouldn't be so thick. And I just want to speak to that. And my mom spoke about this in episode 32, part five, whenever she spoke directly to the defendant's followers, that those people who are trying to be kind are partly responsible for all of this because she gets those messages and it fuels her to keep going. And now she's gone on for over three and a half years. And so I would caution you not just to validate the claims that people are making, but I would caution you whenever someone is making those claims and you are commenting, going along with them, or even just trying to encourage them, someone like the defendant takes that as validation and that people believe in her and believe what she is saying and it emboldens her to keep going. Then she says that when I first started talking on this blog that I would say things like I couldn't wait for her to crash and burn. Once again, I've never said any of that and I'm not really entirely sure what user she is referring to. I've not seen that post. And then she says, but if it wasn't you, then why did you never pick up the phone and say that it wasn't you? And I've said this before that I did not feel it was productive for me to contact her directly and say, hey, you got this wrong. Instead, I filed a lawsuit and that didn't seem to communicate any of the seriousness. I've also said under oath, I have lost count of how many times between my deposition and the trial that this is not me. So she's here saying, why didn't you just pick up the phone and tell me it wasn't you? I've told you it wasn't me. I've told you it wasn't me. Endless amounts of times you refuse to believe it. So I am not really sure what else I can do besides show facts and evidence and say, over and over again that none of this is me. But she seems to think that if I just would have picked up the phone and said, hey, yeah, this isn't me, then she would have been like, okay, yep, I got it wrong. Sorry. But I highly doubt that that would have happened. I don't think the defendant will ever admit that it wasn't me because I don't think that she can wrap her brain around the fact that there are thousands of people that don't like her. And I think that because she says over and over that everyone likes her. It can't possibly be multiple people. It has to be the same person. And so I don't think any amount of me saying, hey, this is not me, would have an impact on her because it hasn't yet. Anywhere where people are talking about other people anonymously is just not a good place to be, period, number one. But like even one of the ringleaders of all this like her, um, I went to my DMs and she had been, I'm praying for you for years. Oh my God, for years. But then you realize like, oh my God. And, and the one thing that it's like a blessing and a curse. Like it's, I'm thankful that I, like I said, it's a blessing and a curse. I'm thankful I don't immediately think everyone is like that. But also it's frustrating that I'm that I don't think like that because it leaves the door open a lot of times. I just, I can't think that anybody is that kind of person or it would, it would keep me from talking to everybody, if that makes sense. But there are certain questions that people ask where you're like, I know where they got that idea. And you know, you just keep an eye on them. People ask questions, some questions where you're like, hmm, I see you. Even on this video right now. There's someone who I'm like, oh, she's asking a whole lot of questions that are on the blog, but also like, I can't, I'll answer them because I don't care. Although I never want to look at that again. I don't like it. Uh-uh. Out of sight, out of mind. It is funny though when they say stuff and it's like totally the opposite of reality. You're like, they'll be like telling me I don't talk to somebody anymore and they'll be at my house. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no like, do I get an award for every time you say something and it's so wrong? 
But like the investigator said, this is far beyond just simple talking about someone on the internet. I've lost my home. I have lost my marriage. I have lost a lot of my business. Like it's way beyond that. This is way beyond that. What? I'm thankful that they think like that because now they're willing to help. They often go, whore, like, are you going to be okay with being an example? And I'm like, you call it an example, I'm calling it a lesson for other people. There's one person on here that's always asking a lot of strange questions. You're right, and you probably message me who you think it is, and I'll tell you because it's the same person. But at the end of the day, like, I'm here to answer all your questions. Like I said, it doesn't, I will answer everybody's questions till they're blue in the face forever. But the problem is, if you go back and say mean things about me on the internet, you can't later sue me for telling people you did that. Like, I don't care if you keep talking. You can keep talking forever. So in this clip, the defendant is saying that anywhere where you're talking anonymously is not a good place to be. And I've addressed that. And I don't think anonymity should be banned online. She said that one of the ringleaders, and I don't know who she's talking about, but she says one of the ringleaders has been DMing her nice things for years. And I don't know who she's talking about because at this point, like, the narrative just keeps changing. Either it's me and only me, and I have all the different usernames, or it's me and H, or it's me and H and her soon-to-be ex-husband, or it's CC1, the Reddit moderator. She's also accused her relative. She has accused her soon-to-be ex-husband's best friend. So she just keeps looping people into this. So at this point, I have no idea who she is referring to there. She also says that there's somebody on her video right then who is asking questions that are on the blog and she's insinuating that they are a quote unquote troll. And once again, I'm going to point this out. She thinks that just because someone might have a question that is similar to something that is said on these forums, that is proof that they are a troll or that they are getting information, or it's proof of everything that she's ever said. And it's just not uncommon for different people to wonder the same thing and have a question about it. But that is one of the foundations for her proof. Then she says that the investigator told her that this has gone much farther than just people saying things online because of everything that she has lost. And she lists out some things that she has lost. And once again, the defendant alone is responsible for that. If she would not have continued to defame me, she wouldn't have spent, according to the number she said, over $250,000, I want to say, on attorney's fees. One was $100,000, one was $150,000. She still owes one $55,000. If those numbers are accurate, she would have spent $250,000 or so on legal fees, and that would not have happened if she would not have continued to defame me. She said that the investigator said, are you okay with being an example? And she said, I'm okay with being the lesson. And I just wanna say that I think that the defendant is a lesson in all of this. And I hope that this case continues to be a lesson, not just for influencers and content creators, but also people who follow those people blindly. I hope that it is a lesson that we need to reevaluate our choices because those choices have real consequences. And then she says that she reads a comment because one of the followers says, well, somebody's asking some interesting things. And she says, oh yeah, DM me and tell me who you think it is. And so in addition to the defendant saying all of this stuff, once again, her followers believe her and go along with her narrative. And then she says, it's okay if you say mean things on the internet, you just can't sue me for telling people that you said them. And so there she is saying that once again, doubling down that it's all me and that I am in the wrong for actually suing her for everything that she has been saying. So this video was made on July the 8th of 2023, just three days prior to the defendant's divorce trial happening. 
And she is doubling down on all of it. She is still going along with her new narrative. Her attorneys were horrible. That's the only reason that she lost. And she cannot wait to go and present her case to this judge so that she can be vindicated, clear her name. And she is currently planning on telling everyone everything after this divorce trial is over. On July the 11th of 2023, the defendant's divorce trial did begin. I was not there because I was not going to be testifying until the following day. However, Elizabeth was there representing me as I am a party in this case as well because I filed as intervener so that we could file a motion for my judgment to be paid out of the trust that was holding the funds from the sale of their home. And because the defendant had made no effort to pay her judgment, our only recourse at this point was to file as intervener in this lawsuit and file a motion for our judgment to be paid from that trust. That first day of the trial, and again, I wasn't there, so I was just kind of briefed by Elizabeth on what transpired, but the defendant's original divorce trial was supposed to be in February. However, she had filed a motion for continuance prior to that, and that was granted. And because she had filed that continuance, because it was granted, it gave my attorneys an opportunity to file as intervener in this case. One of the reasons for her filing that continuance is that she wanted extra time, and she also was requesting funds to be withdrawn from the trust so that she could hire a forensics team. If you'll recall, the entire time that my case was going on, she made all of these claims that she had all this forensic data, forensic accountants, and she had none of that. And so she has been saying the same thing regarding her soon-to-be ex-husband. However, apparently she hadn't done any of that yet either. And so she had filed this continuance with the basis that she wanted extra time and money to hire a forensic team to prove all of her claims. However, she didn't actually use the money for that and apparently told the court that she had to use the money to pay bills, and so she wasn't able to hire a forensic accountant. So after all of this time and all of these years claiming that she had forensic accountants, and then admitting that she didn't have any, and then filing for a continuance so that she could get a forensic accountant, she didn't actually end up hiring one and using that money for what she told the court she was going to be using it for. She also apparently testified that she only lost her defamation case because her soon-to-be ex-husband refused to help her get the evidence. And she has talked about this in live videos before. And even one of her friends had said they had wanted him to try to get IP addresses from a website and some other things. She has talked about him not printing off the blog website and things like that. So she also testified to this in court that it was her soon-to-be ex-husband's fault because he did not help her with any of the evidence. Although this was a divorce trial, at this point, the custody had been decided and it was just the distribution of the marital assets. The defendant was adamant that she should not have to pay the whole judgment for my defamation case. Therefore, she made my defamation case a very, very, very large part of this divorce case. It was probably the most prominent part in this divorce case. And consequently, there was a lot of questioning that happened to all of the witnesses about my case. A few of her friends testified for her on that first day of trial. And one of them in particular is a very prominent follower who comments a lot. This person often refers to me as a serial extortionist. 
This person was the one who made the post about the fallen angel and the malignant devil early on in this entire ordeal, testified under oath and along with another friend, they had both testified that they never saw a post with my name in it. And the one friend with the fallen angel malignant devil post testified that she couldn't even determine who the defendant was talking about when she made those posts. And I just point that out because both of those people commented on posts that had my name and the one friend even commented and said i'm so disgusted and angry for those of you who wondered this is what my personal page post on october 30th was about and she shares the caption that she wrote when she talked about the fallen angel and the malignant devil and so they apparently testified that they never saw a post with my name in it and couldn't even determine who the defendant was talking about and they both had commented, made comments on the defamatory posts, and one made it her mission to say, in case you were wondering what my post was about, this is what it was about. And so I find it interesting that those two friends seemingly perjured themselves by lying and saying that they had no idea who the defendant was even talking about, and they did not ever see a post that had my name in it. And I do think that that is indicative of the defendant's power over people and her influence over people that not only were they willing to go along with her lies for this long, but they actually were willing to perjure themselves under oath for the defendant in supporting her lies. After the divorce trial proceedings that day, the defendant did make some Instagram stories. I'm here. <sighs> it was emotionally draining for sure. Um, gosh, I have so much to say. A lot of the things that I think I worried about in the beginning, um, I didn't really need to worry about. Like I should have thought about this. Like I don't know how to explain it. We'll we'll talk later this week. Um, I mean, it is very emotionally draining. But also, I think I also hit that. Like I'm kind of thankful this is happening because ew like just gross and so but also like you love them you're not in love with them but like that's someone that you have genuinely loved so much so this is the best choice though it really is as today i yelled his name down the hallway or like whispered his name and i was like i forgive you i think tomorrow is not going to be hard because uh because of him but because i have to see one person who skeeves me the hell out and then one person who I genuinely I told my journey today I think I loved her like maybe more than my husband at some point like I genuinely like to my core loved her like my sister my child um and so that's gonna be hard to listen to and so that's gonna be hard to listen to but I know at the end of the day like they're gonna say whatever they have to say to protect their own and like the goal tomorrow is obviously to try to make me look as bad as possible. And at the end of the day, I'm so confident in who I am. It'll be hard to listen to, but that day is going to end and we all know the truth. And then I get to fight back after that. So I'm excited about that part too, because I freaking deserve it. Like, oh my God, I've been going through hell for three years for nothing. You know, and I, don't, I go, I sleep peacefully at night so I know better you know, who I am and whose I am 
And I know I got the love and respect of my people, my son, and the Lord. And that's all you really need. Also, I told y'all a long time ago, when you are telling the truth, it gives you like this different kind of confidence. Like I'll tell you, one of my flaws is like if something is partly true, then I don't want to say false. And if it's partly false, I don't want to say true. And I need to learn that in these situations, I mean, I got much time left, but I'm going to go in tomorrow with the mindset of basically trust your counsel, which you got to understand with my civil case, I didn't have that. What you need is to be able to trust your counsel enough to where if you know something is false and you say false and any part of it is true or you need to explain that they're going to pick up on it, bring it up and say it later. And so I didn't have that with my civil case. I don't have anything. And so, but these girls are wonderful and it's like, they just, they already know, like it's, I mean, it's kind of obvious, too, because, like, I've told the same story for years, so they kind of know the whole story. So as soon as I say it, if I say no, and it's partly true, they like, they you want to explain it, you know? And y'all already know how I'm an over-explainer. I have to explain everything. And now I realize, like, in these cases, you don't have the opportunity to over-explain everything. You just have to leave it up to your counsel to pick it back up and say, hey, why did you say this was untrue earlier? Because in my head, I'm like, I don't want to look like a liar. But, like, the third part of that question wasn't true. So I don't think I'd ever want to be an attorney because I don't want to manipulate people with my words. I do think I'd make a good, good detective, though. Because I remember every single detail of every single thing. I will tell you, at the very beginning of today, I forgot. I, like, couldn't remember. Honestly, they played the video and I started crying. Because, like, hearing it is just, ugh. And they asked me when the video was filmed. And I blanked. And I'm like, I'm so good at that, usually. And I know now. But I was like, I'm sorry. I just got to, like, get together for a minute. It's hard to watch, you know? Anyways, I try to, like, block that stuff out. So, ugh. So let me be clear because so I just watched that story back and there's a difference too because when I just said that back I don't want to manipulate people with my words I don't think my one thing I really really like about my attorney I don't think she's ever manipulative but I don't know I haven't seen her in any other situation but I know like on the other side it's like just that grimy like you know what you're doing sir like don't do that like I, like, don't try to twist it around. And she, maybe because she's dealing with a client who, like, is straight up tells the truth. Or one who maybe doesn't. And then she just says, but you just said blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I haven't felt like she has manipulated or I have been or she's trying to do that to anybody else either. So I shouldn't say that attorneys, like, all do that. Actually, I don't know how she's an attorney. Well, she is kind of, she's a little pit bull. I don't know. She's great. She makes you feel seen and heard. So I guess if you're going through this, some kind of coaching that I would get if I were you is learn to, oh God, they're going to tell you to take your emotion out of it. Girl, if you're an empath or you have a soft heart or you love people, like it's just hard. It is. Like tomorrow, I'm going to be like half heartbroken and half completely grossed out because one of them is going to break my heart and one of them... Like, I can't, oh, God, I can't even think about it. Like, it don't break my heart at all. It's, like, sick, weird. Ugh. But also, like, you can't lose faith in the system, and you can't lose faith in the Lord. And you just have to remember that the, the day is going to end, and you are going to, I'm going to feel so much better after this. And no matter what the outcome is, like, today, I'm like, whatever the outcome is, I have, like, my son at the end of it.
So the defendant made that series of Instagram stories after day one of her trial. And I have said repeatedly that the defendant thinks that all of this that is posted about her is inside information. However, it is just public record speculation or something that the defendant has said out of her own mouth. And I just want to play a clip just to remind everyone that the defendant claims that she remembers what she shared when she shared it. I'm just gonna share my life experience with you as I have done this entire time. Since 2011, I have shared my life with you on the internet, but I know what I shared and when I shared it, and I know when it ended up on the internet and I hadn't. So the defendant is very adamant that she knows exactly what she shared when she shared it. And that is how she has concluded some of the things that are written or all of the things that are written are inside information. And we just watched those Instagram stories that she made the first night of the trial, where she talked about telling her soon-to-be ex-husband that she forgives him. A few weeks after the trial, she was trying to prove to her followers and give them an example of how she knew that he was feeding information to these quote-unquote troll blogs. And so I'm just going to play those clips back to back. Today I yelled his name down the hallway or like whispered his name and I was like, I forgive you. Here's an example. I said out loud as I was walking in the, um, in the hallway to him that I forgive him. And that was like literally the headline of a troll blog the next day. So it's like, if it's not you talking about me on the internet, then how the hell did they know that I said, I forgive you? The defendant's efforts to prove that she is telling the truth and that there is all of this inside information is it's so mind blowing because she posts so much and forgets what she says. And then whenever she sees somebody have commentary on it, she thinks that it is inside information and that someone is trying to sabotage her. She has actually burned her entire life down over that thought process. And as you can see, clear as day on full display, she will say something, forget that she has said it, and then insist that that information being on the internet is proof that someone is leaking inside information or feeding inside information to someone who is then posting it on these quote unquote troll blogs. And that is disturbing. It is also even more disturbing that in that second clip where she was saying, how would people know that, that her followers are commenting and saying and, and are in agreement with her. They are the ones who would have seen her say that. And then as she is saying that, how would anyone know that she said that, they are going along with her. And that to me is the most disturbing thing in all of this. On July the 12th of 2023, this was day two of their divorce trial, and I was called to testify, and I got there. My mom did accompany me. My husband did not. He was working. He asked if I wanted him there, and I said, no, I think I'll be okay because Elizabeth was going to be there. Todd was potentially going to be there. He didn't end up being able to come, but my mom was there also, and so I felt okay. And honestly, this would have been the first time that I would have seen her again since our trial in person. And I was okay because at this point I had been through a lot of healing and definitely the jury verdict helped a lot with that. 
But after the judgment was entered, I began to kind of speak out. And so I felt like my voice was heard. And that stopped in February when I became an intervener in this case. But there were at least some facts and evidence out there. And so I had really healed to the point where I was okay. I was ready. I was ready to go and answer whatever questions they had. I'm fine answering whatever questions that she thinks are going to be this aha gotcha moment. I don't have anything to hide. I'm happy to answer all of that. And so I was okay. And so I told my husband, it's okay. You don't need to be there. I'll let you know how it's going and all of that sort of thing. And so I did go there. Mom was there. H was also there. And H was there accompanied by her parents because she did have to testify. She and I did not speak whenever she came in. You know, we waved at each other. That was about the extent. I think her mom waved at me and we sat on our own area. Mom and I did. And they sat in another area. Mom and I talked and H and her parents may have talked, but we did not talk to each other. And so we just kind of had to sit out there and wait until it was our turn. And I will say that the proceedings did start a little bit late. The defendant was late the first day. She was late and she was less late the second day, but she did show up a little bit late. And so we didn't get started right away. And also the judge had decided since things were running a little bit late to have another hearing for another case. And so that kind of happened. So we were delayed a little bit, but it was very interesting being there. Definitely the feelings were not the same as when I was at trial for my case. It was weird. I mean, it just was weird because you sit there and you think, how did we get here? Like what in the world is going on? Also, I've never had to testify in a divorce case before. So it was really, really It was just bizarre all around. But Elizabeth did tell me that I could be in the room and I opted not to because I didn't want to give the impression to the judge that this was some sort of a circus, I guess. And I even said something to that effect to the defendant's soon to be ex-husband's attorney whenever he came out and, and asked me to come and testify he said, your mom is welcome to come in with you. And I said, no, I I don't want to turn this into a circus. This is not a peanut gallery. I'm here to testify, do what I'm supposed to do. And then that's it. And he said, well, it kind of already is a circus. And I can imagine that it had been. So I was called. And as I walked in this courtroom set up, it was a much smaller courtroom as a family court courtroom. And there were benches at the back behind the tables, but there wasn't a lot of room. And that day, there were a lot of people in there because there weren't a lot of other cases that were happening in the courthouse that day. And so a lot of the interns who were there to learn were in there. The defendant had her two attorneys plus her two friends that had testified for her were in there for some reason. The defendant's soon-to-be ex-husband and his legal team were in there. Elizabeth was in there. And so there was just a lot of people. There was a bailiff, the judge, obviously the court reporter. And when you walk in, all of that was to my left, the judge, the court reporter, the witness stand, and where the bailiff. And on the right were the parties. And then behind them was, I guess, what you would consider the gallery. But it was really just two benches, kind of like church pews that were set up back there. But I did go in, I was sworn in, and because I was witness for the defendant's soon-to-be ex-husband, his attorney questioned me first. Again, my defamation case was a very prominent part of this divorce case, which I do think is odd. However, it was a large chunk of money, a large chunk of the marital assets that I was owed. 
And so I can see that. But some of the questions were almost like we were relitigating my entire case. So it got a little bit interesting. I did not purchase the court transcript for this divorce. So I am just going to be talking about this from my recollection. I did make notes as soon as this day was over. I did make notes about this, but I am not interested in displaying the entirety of the transcript from someone's divorce because I think that's inappropriate. So I'm just going to be talking about this from my recollection of what happened. The first thing that he asked me was, how did I come to know the defendant? And I explained that I was a customer and then I did go to work for her and how she became friendly with me when I was a customer. That was very customary for her. The way that she did business, that was not uncommon. And then I said that she had told me that she needed a new operations manager and kind of went into how all of that transpired. And that is how I began to work for her. He asked how the defendant's then husband acted towards her. And I said that he very much catered to her. If she said jump, he said how high. He would do anything that she asked him to do. And if she was in a bad mood, he would often try and make her laugh to try and get her out of that mood. And he would always try to make light of situations and kind of redirect her emotions in a positive way. He asked how she treated him. And I was honest. I said that she was very degrading towards him and disrespectful. And then he asked for an example. And I said, when I first started working there, that the defendant was in LA and was sending invoices and she wanted all of these products entered into the system so she could do a live video. And she was very unhappy with the speed at which these things were being entered. And so she was sort of reaming her then husband out and talking down to him, calling him names and things like that, because he wasn't able to get it done quickly. And I asked him, is it always like this? And he didn't really have an answer. He just kind of stumbled over his words. And that was the example that I gave to that question. And he didn't ask me to elaborate any further. He asked me to describe the contact that I had had with the husband since I left. And I said, there has been no contact. So I was asked this in my deposition the prior year. And the answer remains the same. I had had no contact with him whatsoever. The last contact I had was I copied him on an email with my resignation. And then a subsequent email that I sent detailing out all of the areas of my responsibility. And that was the last contact that I had with him. He asked about my working relationship with the husband. And I explained that he would be in charge of like email setup and a lot of technology things. And so I would communicate with him about that. I would communicate with him if I needed to reach the defendant and she was unavailable. And then he asked if the defendant kept normal working hours. And I said, not the traditional eight to five hours. And then he asked if the defendant had a hard time completing business tasks. And I said, yes, frequently. I couldn't recall how many different variations of trying to get her on a schedule, a routine, a task list that she could complete things efficiently and all of them failed. And then he asked why I left and what led up to that. And I said, the summer Prior to me leaving, things really started to kind of go downhill. I was trying to meet with her and talk about finances and cash projections, and she would not pay attention to what I was having to say. And ultimately, I decided that I wasn't willing to share all of my experience and knowledge with someone who didn't value them because I had true concerns about the future of the business and it just fell on deaf ears. He did ask if 
at any point I had come to work and there was a camera pointed directly at me. And so I said yes. And there wasn't an elaboration on that. So I'm assuming that that was something that had been talked about prior. But I just said yes. And I also said that there were cameras everywhere in the warehouse. He asked if there were posts that had my name, my first, middle and last name. And I said, yes, absolutely. And he said, did those posts elicit responses from her followers? And I said, yes. And then I said, in fact, some of the people in this very room commented on those posts. And I said this on purpose because Elizabeth had told me that they had said that they couldn't even determine who the defendant was posting about, the two friends that testified for her, and that they never saw a post with my name in it. And so I wanted the judge to know they lied to you. <laughs> they actually commented on the posts with my name on them. And just to make sure that that information was there. And I did not look at the judge or anything to see her reaction, but I did make sure and say that on purpose. He asked if this affected my family. And I said, yes. And I brought up some instances. I brought up that she constantly brings up my daughter and my daughter saying that I was the fakest person. I brought up that she would talk about how my son was in her will and that she was very attached to him. He asked if the defendant had ever posted a picture of me and my family during all of the defamation. And I said, no, but one of her followers did get a picture of me and my son and posted that she had cropped my son out, but it was very unnerving that she had a photo on her phone with my son in it, even though she did crop him out when she posted it. And he was just asking about during the defamation. She did post a picture of me and my family after my trial, but this line of questioning was regarding the defamation that led up to the judgment. He did ask the privacy of her social media accounts. And I said that all of the defamatory posts that the defendant made on her Facebook were public and her Instagram was also public until she made it private. And he asked what was the substance of the posts that she was making. And so I said, well, is a false and defamatory narrative that she created about me being all of these different usernames on these forums that discuss her. And he said, did she accuse you of stalking, hacking, hate blogging about her, trying to ruin her life and all of the allegations that she's made? And I just said yes to each one. And I did not elaborate because that was a yes or no question. He said, did she ever say that you were colluding with the husband? And I said, yes. And then he asked, did she ever say that you and the husband were colluding with H? And I said, yes. He asked why I filed the lawsuit, and I explained that my attorney was a family friend and that I had contacted him, Todd, to send a cease and desist letter, but because she just kept going, he said, we need to skip the cease and desist and go straight for the lawsuit so that she'll stop. And he asked how cooperative the defendant was during the legal process, and I said, not at all. She went through three different attorneys, and we had to schedule her deposition four or five times and mine and H's deposition four or five times before we were ever actually able to hold those depositions. He asked if the husband had been deposed and I said no. He asked if the husband was at my trial and I said no. Asked if we called him as a witness and I said no. He asked if she had ever retracted any of the statements and I said no. Zero statements have ever been retracted. And then he asked how many statements were there. And I said, I believe at the end of my litigation, there were 456 statements, none of which have ever been retracted. He said, if she had retracted those statements, 
would you have dropped the lawsuit? And I said, yes. And this is very important because remember that the judge is deciding the division of marital assets. And one of the debts from this marriage and from the defendant is this $246,500 judgment that she has against her for making those 456 statements. And so he asked that question because he was trying to show that the marital estate would not have been in that state if she would have stopped, if she would have retracted something. And so I said, absolutely, I would have if she would have retracted those statements. Then he said, has she stopped defaming you? And I said, not as of last night. And he said, what did she say last night? And I said, she posted and said that I would probably lie on the stand to save my own profanity. And I did actually say the word in court because I was trying to be accurate. And then her attorney stood up and objected and said, this is hearsay. There's no way for us to validate this, that this actually happened. And then the husband's attorney said, well, we can have her pull up her phone right now and see the post. And during that exchange, I did look towards the defendant and she looked like, oh, well, I, I didn't do any of that. That's my interpretation of what she looked like. But she was very caught off guard that I had said that. And I did say that intentionally because she had done the same thing in my case. She wasn't supposed to post on social media and talk about it, and she did anyway. And I let the judge know in my trial, and I also let the judge know in this trial because her behavior has not changed. She has shown no respect for the legal process or for the judge, and she did post that, and that is what she said. At the break, after I testified, those stories were no longer visible. The defendant deleted them. And so she appeared to, to look like she had no idea what they were talking about, but definitely very quickly went and deleted those stories. He asked, how did I know that she posted that? And I let him know that my legal team had sent me that post. Then he asked if I had made a website, falseanddefamatory.com. And I said, yes. And he said, why? And I said, I thought that she would stop defaming me after the verdict. And she didn't. And then I thought, well, maybe after the judgment. And then she didn't. And I needed a way to salvage my digital footprint as I am an educator. And I have students who will happily Google me and parents that will Google me. And so I needed something on the internet that showed actual facts and evidence, not just her version of events. And that's why I made the website. And then it was the defendant's attorney's turn to cross-examine me. And this line of questioning was very interesting. I was actually very surprised that they asked these types of questions because in my opinion a lot of them were not so much to get the facts but they seemed to be a little bit petty and again that's just my opinion but the first question that i was asked was is it safe to say that you do not like my client and i said i am not particularly fond of your client no and then the defendant's attorney is a female and she says isn't it true that your original lawsuit was because the defendant had said that you were a size 16 and not a 12. And I said, that is incorrect. And they didn't elaborate on that. And that was a yes or no question. So I didn't elaborate either. They talked about my false and defamatory website. And then they listed out three or four other domains that I had purchased that were associated with the defendant. And after each one of them, I confidently said, yes, I purchased that. Yes. Did you purchase this one? Yes. Did you purchase this one? Yes. And I know that the defendant was waiting to ask me those questions because she had talked about that multiple times in her live videos of how was I going to explain to the judge that I had bought these. And so she had clearly communicated that to her attorneys because they did ask me that. And I did say yes, because that is a factual statement. I did purchase those domains 
and I did point them to falseanddefamatory.com. I also didn't elaborate on purpose. I just said yes, because I knew that if I tried to elaborate, they would object because it was a yes or no question. And then I would get an objection non-responsive. And then her attorney said, you claim that you have not stalked my client, but don't you consider buying her name as a website stalking? And I said, no. And then she asked if I had ever written anything negatively online about the defendant. And I said, according to who? And she said, according to you. And I said, oh, no. I said, I've only written things that are factual. And she said, you do realize that factual and negative are not the same thing. And I said, yes, I realize that. Thank you. Then she asked, isn't it true that you sued your former employer? And I said, that is incorrect. I sued my former business partner. Because once again, the defendant tries to make this a pattern that I'm just this disgruntled employee that sues all of my employers. And as soon as people realize that it was a business partnership, a logical person with some brain cells can understand that a lot of partnerships end in a legal process, especially if it is a successful business, that kind of thing can happen. And so I wanted to make sure that that was not going to be a narrative that they were going to be able to continue with. Then her attorney asked if I had ever called the husband a lazy man-child. And I said, I'm sure that I have. That seems likely. And I, I almost chuckled at that question because, number one, what does that have to do with anything? But number two, I think that they were expecting that I would say no. But also, if I'm supposed to be in cahoots with the husband, why would I admit to that? Yes, I'm sure that I have said that he is a lazy man child before. And so I just found it quite hilarious that they even asked that. And honestly, I feel like that was a lot of audacity to ask that question in a court in front of a judge for that attorney, because that question has nothing to do with anything. And it just seemed very petty to me, but I, I proudly answered it truthfully. And then the attorney asked, did I fill out the paperwork for the PPP loans? Or she said, isn't it true? And that's often how those questions are asked. Isn't it true that you filled out the paperwork for the PPP loan? And I said, that is not true. I did not fill out any paperwork for the PPP loan. I created a spreadsheet that had expenses on it, real expenses that would qualify for a PPP loan. And I sent it to both the defendant and the husband, but I did not fill out any of that paperwork. And then she says, isn't it true that you left 30 minutes after the defendant texted you and said that she had hired a CPA. I said, I believe she said that the day before, but I did go back and look and there was a text that morning where she did say something about a CPA. And so I just said, I think that was the day before, but I did go back and look later and that is correct. She did talk about hiring a CPA and I don't think it was 30 minutes later, but I did leave after that. However, I had already drafted my resignation letter that morning. It wasn't like I decided that because she had hired a CPA. Then she asked, do I have access to view the Reddit threads that talk about the defendant? And I said, yes, but I have not posted on Reddit or my own website or social media accounts about this since I became an intervener in the lawsuit. And then I said, after my judgment, I did make an account on Reddit with the username crystal underscore Wrighton. And I have made comments and posts after that point. She asked if I had ever asked anyone on Reddit to not talk about the defendant's body or nose. Specifically, those words are what she said. And I said, these people have been talking about the defendant before I knew her, and they are entire grown people that make their own decisions. And then she objected and said, objection, non-responsive. And so then I think I just said, no, I've never asked them to not discuss the defendant's body or notes.
And then she said, so you're okay with people talking negatively about her online, as long as nobody's talking negatively about you. And I, I don't even remember what I said to that, but I just thought that was a very interesting question. Then she asked, did I host any Zooms and were some of the people former customers? And I said, yes, I did host Zooms. Some of them were. And then she goes, and are all these people on these Zooms people that don't like her? And I said, there are people that followed my case. Then she asked if I had ever sent out the police video and distributed it. And I said, no. And then the judge said, what police video? And so then she explained that it was of H at the police station when the defendant told her to meet her there. But I said, no, I've not distributed that. And then she says, did I discuss the husband's deposition on Reddit? And I said, no, because I had no knowledge of the husband's deposition at all. To this day, I have no knowledge of what transpired in that deposition. And I just want to point out that the questions that her attorneys were asking me honestly had nothing to do with anything regarding the marital assets, which I found very interesting, again, that they would ask those sorts of questions. But it's very clear that those are the questions that the defendant wanted answers to, because she has said all of those things in her live videos. Sometimes multiple times she has said those things. And she also says that in our defamation case that she never got to say those things. She never got to ask those questions. Well, now she has. Her attorneys in her divorce have asked those questions about the defamation case, and now I have answered them. And the defendant's attorneys that were at the divorce trial, this was her second set of divorce attorneys, and they were women, and they were kind of on the younger side. And I'm not sure what transpired for her to get them to ask these types of questions, but they were very interesting questions to ask, in my opinion, particularly questions about the defendant's nose and body or whether or not I said the husband was a man child. None of that has anything to do with the distribution of marital assets. And so it truly is like they were trying to relitigate my case. And that case has already been litigated. There was no appeal. So there's no way to relitigate that. But the defendant did try her best to have that done during her divorce trial. After that, the husband's attorney was able to offer some rebuttal and only questioned me for a very short time. And basically he just asked, did you have your attorney's permission before you purchased the domains that are associated with the defendant to redirect to your website? And I kind of laughed, I didn't mean to, I a chuckle just came out and I said, no. And then that was kind of the end of question. And by his reaction, I think that he was expecting me to say, yes, I had gotten my attorney's permission, but I hadn't. And I wasn't about to say, oh, yeah, totally. Yep. They said it was fine when that wasn't the case. I do think that he was expecting that I would say yes, that I had gotten permission from my attorneys, but I didn't. And I wasn't going to say that I did, even though it probably was not favorable for me to say no, that was the truth. I did not get permission from anybody because it's not illegal. I just made that decision on my own. And so that was kind of an interesting exchange also. So once I was finished testifying, the defendant's soon-to-be ex-husband's attorney said that I was welcome to stay the courtroom, and Elizabeth also said that I was welcome to stay in there, and I just opted not to because as much as I wanted to know what was being said likely about me, I 
again, did not want to turn this into a circus because the defendant already had her two friends in there with her. And there was no legal reason for me to be in there. I was represented. My attorney was in there. And so I just opted to not stay in there. But I did get some briefings on what did transpire. Shortly after I testified, we did break for lunch. And when we did break for lunch, I did see the defendant in the hallway. And I made the decision that I was going to look her in the eye because this person had put me through hell on earth for years. And during all of that, during a lot of that, I was very broken and I almost don't even recognize myself when I go back and think about myself during that time, when I see pictures of myself during that time. And she had had this very profound impact on me and it was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. I'm not going to go back into that because I don't, I've, I've already talked about that before, but it was really, really bad. However, by this point in time, I had healed a lot and I had regained a lot of confidence and I made the decision that I was going to look her in the eyes. And that was just kind of a moment for me to be able to just kind of do that and kind of overcome that, whatever you want to call it, uh, fear, mountain, whatever. I, I looked at her and I looked at her straight in the eyes and I just shook my head like this. Like, what are you doing? Why did you do all of this? This is ridiculous. And she did see me. She did look at me back and didn't really have an expression on her face. But I did make a point to look at her while we were in the hallway. And then my mom and I, we were going to go to lunch with Elizabeth. And mom and I had decided that we were going to just stay out in the hallway for the remainder of the time. Again, I didn't want to go in to the gallery and be part of the court proceedings, but we did want to stay just to kind of hear how everything went. We weren't expecting a ruling that day, but we were just going to stay. So we were going to leave for lunch and there were two elevators and it was inevitable that you were probably going to share an elevator with somebody because everybody was breaking for lunch. And so as we were waiting for the elevator, the husband and his legal team were also waiting for an elevator. So when one opened, we all kind of got in one together and the attorney said, I don't know, is it colluding if we are in the same elevator? And I said, well, apparently it's colluding if you have no contact with somebody. And so that was just kind of a lighthearted moment, a little chuckle. And then we went to lunch, mom and Elizabeth and I, and then we came back. So I did not stay in the room when H testified. I could have, but again, I just didn't want to make it a circus. But I did get briefed on that. And H was asked on the stand if she ever told the defendant that it was for sure me posting on these blogs. And she said no under oath. She said, in fact, that she was ambushed at the defendant's attorney friend's office and was told that I had nine profiles on GOMI, the FBI had confirmed, and there were IP addresses linking me. And so she said this under oath when she was asked. And the defendant has said and admitted that she lied to H and told her that she had those IP addresses. They did ask H when was the last contact that she had had with me. And they did not ask me that, but they did ask H. And she truthfully said, when she got subpoenaed for this case, we stopped having contact. And they also did point out that in H's settlement, that if the defendant continues to either reference her by implication or by name regarding any of this defamatory narrative, 
that she does have to pay $10,000 per occurrence to H. And the reason that that was brought up is because, again, this trial is about the marital assets. And the defendant continuing to defame H to the tune of $10,000 per occurrence would further harm the marital assets. And so that's why that was brought up. And so H said, yes, that is the agreement. And then the last question that they asked her was, was there a chance that H would be suing her again because she had violated that settlement agreement? And H said, yes, absolutely. And so that was the last question that was posed to H. Again, that was asked because the defendant was actively still harming the marital assets because she would not keep H's name out of her mouth and would not stop saying her name outright or referencing her by implication or saying, I never should have settled or saying that she's never lied about anything. All of those are instances where H could easily sue her and be awarded $10,000 per occurrence. And so that's why that question was asked. And H said, yes, absolutely. There were some funny moments from that day. And one of them was when we were breaking for lunch, there was a bin that had a lot of binders in it. And there was a sign that said free empty binders or something like that. And I didn't snap a picture of that, but that was just kind of funny because the defendant has professed that she has all these binders of evidence. Then in her deposition claimed that she didn't have any related to my case. And so the binder thing was just kind of funny. And then another funny moment was at one point, mom and I were sitting out there waiting for everything. And we looked up and noticed that there were some holes in the ceiling and the defendant has famously claimed that holes were cut in her attic so that we could spy on her. And so mom and I kind of joked around a little bit like, oh my goodness, who is spying on us or something like that. And so that was just kind of some lighthearted uh, moments that we had. And again, this waiting or actually testifying was not the same as it was in my trial. We would not have the high anxiety or what's going to happen or anything. We weren't concerned. We were just kind of there passing the time. And so we were able to chuckle at those moments. After the lunch, and I want to say that perhaps the defendant and maybe even the husband testified again, but the closing statements were delivered. And at the conclusion of those closing statements, Elizabeth did stand up and request that the judge have my judgment paid directly from the judgment and not be dispersed to the defendant and then order the defendant to pay because as evidenced prior in this case, when money is distributed to the defendant, she does not do with it what was intended to be done. For example, when she filed the motion for continuance, part of that disbursement that was granted was for her to hire a forensic accountant. And then she admitted that she didn't do that. She needed to pay her bills instead. And so Elizabeth said, we would just ask that the court say that it has to be paid directly from the trust because we do not believe that if the defendant is given that money, that she will then go and pay the judgment. And that request was granted. Again, we were not expecting a ruling to happen that day. And the defendant's soon-to-be ex-husband, his attorney had told me, like, it's not likely that we're going to get a ruling today. And sometimes it can even take up to 90 days to get a ruling. And so Again, mom and I were just kind of hanging out just to talk to Elizabeth when it was all said and done to see if there was any other information that we needed. And so we were very surprised when Elizabeth came out and said, our request was granted. And I said, what do you mean? And she goes, no, she made the ruling. She ruled on everything. She's still in there spouting all the things off. The attorneys are writing it all down so that they can create the final decree. But she ruled today, you will be paid 
your judgment will be paid directly from the trust, not dispersed to the defendant. And we were just in shock. We could not, we couldn't believe it. We, again, weren't expecting a ruling. I didn't think that the judge was not going to rule that that would happen. I just wasn't expecting it that day. And so that was that was a welcomed, pleasant surprise. They did rule that the defendant had to pay 90% or so of the judgment. I don't know the exact breakdown, but so the judge decided what was left in the trust account would be split down the middle. However, out of the defendant's portion that she had to pay the vast majority of my judgment and that out of the husband's portion, he only had to pay a very small amount. I want to say he only had to pay like $10,000 or so. And then the rest of it was the responsibility of the defendant. And I could imagine that the defendant was likely not very pleased about that. Additionally, the following day, the video that the defendant had been sharing from April the 5th, where she went into her new narrative of why she lost the defamation case, where she mentions myself and H by name multiple times. That video was taken down. And I'm not exactly sure why. However, because of the last question that H was asked on the stand regarding if she would be suing the defendant or would have potential to sue the defendant because she continues to mention her and defame her, to the tune of $10,000 per occurrence, and H said, absolutely, yes. It just is interesting timing that the defendant took that video down at that time. On July the 14th of 2023, the defendant did have a live video, and I'm just gonna play a very small clip from that live video. I do wanna tell y'all the ins and outs and all the things, but I feel like, it's not my, what good is going to come of that, you know? So I don't, I sure don't need anybody like, I want you here because you want to be and not because you feel like you're obligated or you need to be here for sympathy reasons or if that were the case. And it's so weird too, because when you're in court, you're hearing somebody say like, do you think it affected your sales that you told all these things? And I'm like, as if it affected them negatively. And I'm like, do you understand how the internet works? Like if I would have told everything from the beginning, there'd be a more people interested but I didn't want that I just wanted to get the truth out of my mouth and I didn't want the truth to be true and lo and behold it was I stayed true to myself during this whole process for sure during the process before and the process right now and I have learned that when you're in court they can say whatever they want it does not matter if it's true as long as it comes out of their mouth and that is gross but it's okay and some of the stuff you're just you really say that so it's okay. You say what you want to say. If that's how you sleep at night, you go right ahead. How many times are you going to ask me, shoot, do you have to pay him? Because one thing I am going to say from now on is there are people that say certain things where I know you have tendencies that are not the kind of tendencies I want. This is the only downside of ever. I'm not public right now on Instagram, but when I do make it public, it's like, the same you all know because the other day somebody was asking these certain kind of questions over and over again and i swear to god like 40 people messaged me and it was all the same screenshots of the same person so we get it and that's why you are my people but people that ask the same type of questions over and over again like number one i'm not dumb i know where you get your information from and number two i'm not going to answer your question because number one it's none of your business and number two i feel like you already know that answer but and number three 
you're not someone who's probably going to help me solve that problem if it was one. So you can just stop asking, sweetheart. We're moving on. I will absolutely write a book. There is no doubt. Like that is definitely the plan. I've It's already well on its way. I already have someone helping me. Like that is absolutely happening 100% for sure. There's no doubt. If I can like help somebody get through the shit I just went through and make better decisions than I did, that's what will need to be done. What's gonna happen to the Instagram? Yes, you keep following the Instagram. I'll still have all that. I'll still have all that stuff. Um, and they'll, I have my uh, Instagram. And so you can follow that one too. There's no post on it yet. I don't know what I'm gonna do with that just yet because you know, Someone bought my name as a website, which is fucking weird, but whatever. <clears throat> oh, God. Oh, so weird. All that. Anyways, okay, moving on from that. I mean, it does suck, for sure. But at the same time, you're like, at least I wasn't wrong. At the end of the day, I'm so thankful. I was never wrong. I was always right. So, I'll take it. That is priceless, my friends. Um, also, like I said, also, this is a battle, not a war. And that is something that I, I literally went to bed last night and I said, thank you, Jesus. But that was like the last thing that was literally the last thing I said before I went to bed. And I was like, you know what, girl, I'm glad you still say that before you go to bed. So she did this live video on the 14th, which was two days after her divorce trial. And if you'll recall, prior to her divorce trial, she had made a series of live videos where she was insinuating and outright saying that she was going to tell everybody everything as soon as this was over. And so she's doing this video. There's 400 people on it. And there are people asking questions because she had said she was going to say everything. And then she is snapping at them. And the followers are also sort of attacking them in the comments, saying it's none of your business, all of that sort of thing. And she said that she was going to tell everyone everything and then didn't. And it says, what good would it do? She did insinuate that we lied on the stand, like that we'll just say anything. And why can't people just tell the truth? And again, she had said, you just didn't tell me that it wasn't you. How come you've never told me that? I don't even know how many times I've told her that now. Pick a deposition, a trial. Like I've said it as in many ways as I can possibly say it. But Unless I say exactly what she has said, she will always say that I'm lying, despite having no evidence. Now there are two trials where she has put all of this on trial. My defamation case was very prominent in her divorce. I was asked ridiculous questions regarding all of that. She got her chance to ask all of the questions that she wanted to ask. So everything that she says didn't happen in the defamation trial happened here. And she still lost she still lost. The judge awarded that the judgment has to be paid from the trust. And she did not come out of this divorce with any assets. However, she was awarded all of the debt for the business. And so her story has been told in two courts now, and she still will not accept reality. So once this was over, the judge was saying everything that needed to be in the decree, but it takes some time for that decree to be drafted and presented to the court and then be signed off on. And so there was a hearing set on the 20th of July 
that on August the 11th of 2023, that is when the entry of the final order would happen. And so again, at this point in time, once the judge has ruled, it doesn't mean that the very next day they just start writing a check. There is a whole process that still needs to happen. So we're still not quite done, but we are a little further in the journey. And at this point, we have now been through two trials and have gone over all of this information ad nauseum and two different courts have ruled that the defendant did defame me and this one ruled that she wasn't even going to get the choice to pay me or not that that was going to come directly from the trust account by this point in time this has been about a two and a half year process so in two and a half years we have had two trials two judges 12 jurors the defendant has had five attorneys and we have all been deposed. And I have said endless amounts of times that none of this is true. I've said it under oath. The defendant failed to prove it not once, but twice. And now she still, even to this day, claims that I lied. We all lied and that she has never lied. And she still has followers that believe that after all of this. She has her followers believing that she got the short end of the stick, not just at my trial, but now also at her divorce trial. And so how people can continue to go along with that will just always be a mystery to me. However, they do believe her. And that is, again, one of the dangers of having a following and having an influence over that following and people not validating the claims that people are making for themselves because most of all of this court stuff, at least the events that describe the filings in the divorce are public, while the documents themselves are not public, but they have a brief description and they are easily verifiable. However, the defendant's followers still continue to blindly follow her. Next time on False and Defamatory. This will be the final episode for the False and Defamatory podcast. I guess I need to remember that it was on purpose, intentionally, premeditated, planned out for a long, long time, way longer than I thought, God. I've gone back and forth on whether or not she actually believes her own lies. And I still don't know because she knows that this isn't true. She knows it, she has to know it, but she says it so much. I think once again, that she says it so many times that she thinks that it will just be true because she says it so much, but nobody did this. Nobody did these things to her. Nobody premeditated and planned out anything. Also, what happened to just making an honest living? Like who has to like lie, cheat, plan, steal to get money from people? Quite literally, the campaign of lies that she invented and took this far to destroy her own life and burn it all down ruined her marriage and her family. And that is just really, really sad to me. Fabricated this entire narrative and because she had been building up this narrative for so long to all of her friends and anyone who would listen, she decided to take that and morph that into blaming it all on me. She needed somebody to take the fall and she also needed to convince H to never have contact with me again. And so this was the perfect opportunity for her to wrap all of that into a big giant bow. 
However, her reasoning was that I had to have been getting inside information. And at first she tried to scare H and say that I was getting information from her, which could also get her in trouble. And then when that didn't work, but the people on these forums kept writing about her, she needed another excuse as to why these people were getting this quote unquote inside information. And she actually took it so far as to blame her own husband to the point to where they are now divorced. And of that amount, the defendant was ordered to pay 96.01%. She was not accepting any of the consequences of her actions at all. So that judgment being paid, or even just the portion of the judgment that was paid out of that trust was symbolic of holding her truly accountable. The reason that the defendant had to pay 96.01% of the judgment and interest is because of her own actions. The judge is saying that if the defendant would not have had those actions, that this debt would not have been incurred. And because she was the perpetrator of these actions, she had to pay the vast majority of the judgment. She has lost quite literally everything by her own admission, except for her child, and she has learned nothing. She continues to be negligent and reckless with what she posts on social media. But at the end of the day, it is our responsibility to be responsible on social media because your choices don't affect just you, especially the little tiny ones that you make day to day that you don't really think about the ramifications of what you're doing. It is our responsibility to fact check the things that we are choosing to believe. You cannot just blindly believe people. I also realized that because that I am speaking out and I have this podcast and my website and my social media channels, that the defendant is never going to stop defaming me. The defendant spoke for many years unanswered. I was answering through my attorneys, but in terms of the internet, she had free reign to say whatever she wanted to say and lie about whatever she wanted to lie about regarding me and this case. And now that time is over. The power of the truth will overpower a lie every single time. The False and Defamatory podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Crystal Wrighton, with music by Harry B. Ragsdale, who also serves as my audio engineer. First and foremost, I would like to thank my guests who generously shared their time and insight with us. I would also like to thank my husband, my mom, my children, my therapist, my attorneys, and trusted friends who walked with me through this process and made this podcast possible. Being able to finally speak the truth is incredibly healing, and I appreciate you listening more than I could actually accurately express. If you would like to continue receiving my latest episodes and stay up to date with my content, please subscribe to the False and Defamatory podcast on your preferred podcast platform and follow False and Defamatory on social media with the handle at False and Defamatory. Links to False and Defamatory social media as well as my blog can be found in the episode notes and on falseanddefamatory.com. Listening to the False and Defamatory podcast is free on most platforms. However, if you prefer a video podcast or would like to see the documents discussed in the podcast shown on screen, you can subscribe to my Patreon, where you will enjoy these benefits as well as early access, bonus content, 
and ad-free listening. The defendant spread her false and defamatory claims to hundreds of thousands of followers for more than two years. My goal is to share the truth so it can reach each person who heard her lies. By sharing this podcast, you can help me achieve that goal. Your support means everything to me and helps me reach a wider audience. So please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with those you think would benefit from it. Thank you again for sharing and for listening. All social media posts referenced in this podcast were included in the evidence in case number 096-321-678-20 in the 96th District Court of Tarrant County, Texas, where the jury unanimously ruled in my favor on August 24, 2022. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the False and Defamatory podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by the guests are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the view of the False and Defamatory podcast or Crystal Wrighton. Please do not make any attempts to reach out to the defendant or her followers. Names have been redacted to protect the privacy of the defendant and her army of followers who commented on her public posts. The unanimous jury verdict has not only provided me with justice, but also allows me to share my story. The purpose of this podcast is to share the truth and to provide educational content regarding defamation and social media. If you have any questions about this or to view the documents discussed in this episode, please visit falseanddefamatory.com.